Well, thanks for coming back this evening, and I hope you had a good afternoon. Tonight we're going to be, uh, this morning we talked about having a passionate heart for God, and this evening we'll uh, talk about having a protected heart for God. And so I want you in your Bible to find uh, Proverbs chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter 4 is where we'll be most of the evening. Proverbs chapter 4, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 27 tonight. And once you find that, if you would join me in standing as we read God's Word together. I know you just sat down, but if you would mind standing again, that would be wonderful as we uh, honor the the reading of the Word of God together. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And let's pray together. Father, thank you for the day already. Thank you for the challenge this morning to have a passionate heart for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us beginning tomorrow, even beginning now, to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. And then, Lord, as we do, help us to protect our heart. Um, And I pray that you would guide us tonight into all truth, so that we might uh, be equipped to face this world in which we live in. I pray that you would um, use this message to warn us, to remind us, to... Um, keep the guard up when it comes to our hearts. And we thank you again for the opportunity to meet together this evening here in this place with these people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the things I appreciate greatly about our pastor is his desire to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, He wants to do so with great care and great precision, and I Appreciate that as well. And as a church family that does desire to do that, to reach out to this community and really around the world with the gospel of Christ, um, one of the things that's important to remember is that God chooses to use clean vessels. Um, we're reminded in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And in this passage here, we're reminded to be clean vessels. Um, you know, I, I'm not a musical instrument person. Um, I don't play musical instruments. Um, I can't even play the radio properly. Uh, but um, I know that when it comes to uh, instruments, it needs to be clear and clean in order for it to make a good sound. And same thing is said when it comes to the Lord choosing a vessel uh, to use to uh, reach the world with Christ, for Christ. Uh, we've got to be clean. We've got to be pure. In order for our hearts to be pure, we must... Uh, keep our hearts, or we must guard them with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 
You know, the Lord looks at our hearts, and it's what He's most concerned with. Uh, we may put on a good show here at church. We dress the right way. We uh, talk the right talk, and you know, we carry our Bible, and we sing the songs. But God looks beyond the facade right down to who we truly are in our hearts. First um, Samuel 16 and verse number 7, as the prophet, um, or as Samuel uh, was going to find the next king of Israel. He went to Jesse's house. The Lord let, directed him there. And, and he saw Eliab, the, a man who appeared spiritual, who appeared like he would be the great next king. And Samuel said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. And the Lord said, No, I've refused him. Man looks on the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God is concerned most tonight, not with how we look, not with how we appear, but who are the condition of our hearts. And so it's super important for us to have a clean, pure heart. And in order to do that, we've got to guard it. Because we live in a very unclean world. And the devil is constantly trying to get into our hearts through different mediums. And we've got to guard them. Matthew chapter 23, uh, Jesus, the, the great preacher... Um, didn't mince a lot of words here in uh, Matthew chapter 23 when he was speaking to the Pharisees and the hypocrites. Um, he had a lot of interesting things to call them. Vipers. Uh, all kinds of interesting uh, terminology that he uh, gave them. And the reason for it is because they were so concerned with having the great outward appearance, but, they're, uh, but inside, beyond that facade was full of extortion and excess and uh, full of dead men's bones. We've got to guard against that tonight and throughout our lives. Proverbs 17 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Proverbs 23 and verse number 7, this is important to remember. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So tonight, it's who you are is not what kind of job you do or uh, what grade you're in or um, what your name is. Who you really are is, according to the Bible, how you've been thinking in your heart. That defines you according to God and defines me. So tonight, I want to share three critical lessons from Proverbs chapter 4 and really verse number 23 being the key verse here, but we'll use surrounding verses to, uh, in the message as well. But three critical lessons about guarding our hearts that I want to consider this evening. First of all, tonight, I want us to notice the serious command. The serious command. And before we get into verse 23, let's back up to verse 20 here. And here, Solomon, of course, is writing this, uh, this book of Proverbs, these uh, basically guidelines for life, instruction book for life, to his son Rehoboam. And he says here in verse number 20, and he wants to impart to Rehoboam, his son, how important this is, how serious of a command this is. And listen to, these, to the type of uh, words he uses here in verse, verses 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. So in other words, listen up, son. I'm about to tell you something super important, and this is something you've got to get. Verse number 21, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, 
Uh, these are something that I want you to bring to your remembrance constantly. I don't want you to ha- be one of those in one ear and out the other. I want this to be constantly before you. This needs to be uh, one of your constants in life. What I'm about to tell you here. Verse number 22, For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Son, these, the, the words I'm about to tell you can radically change your life if you'll listen to them. And they'll bring you mental, spiritual, uh, physical health. Um, they will help you out. They will bring life if you find them, if you heed them. And so he wants to impart to his son how serious of a command this is. And then he goes into the command itself. Verse number 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word keep isn't just meaning, hey, I'm going to, you know, hold on to my stuff and I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to share it with you. Well, it kind of means that. Well, according to, again, Webster's 1828 dictionary, it's, the word keep means to guard or to protect. And so we could say, guard thy heart, protect thy heart, keep thy heart. In other words, don't let anything in that shouldn't go into your heart. And then the heart, the word heart means this, the seat of the affections and passions, as of love, joy, grief, enmity, courage, and pleasure. Really, it is the root of our life. Everything kind of grows out of our hearts. And so we've got to keep the root, the soil, pure and clean. And again, as Solomon is saying, my son, you better listen up because this is super important. You've got to get this. And tonight, as we are endeavoring to reach Helena for Christ, and as we're endeavoring to lead our families, and as we're endeavoring to honor the Lord, we've got to be clean. We've got to be pure in our hearts. We've got to keep them. Well, how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, we need to remember that there are three gates into our hearts. Three gates that we've got to guard. We've got to put some guards there as... as, uh, These are entrances into our hearts. What are they? Well, first of all, the gate of the ears. The gate of the ears. Again, verse number 24. We read it a moment ago. Verse number 24, Solomon said to to his son, Rehoboam, he said, Now I want you to put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. And certainly, uh, this would mean... Uh, we should not personally be using perverse lips, and we should not personally uh, uh, have the, a froward mouth and, and all of that. We, that obviously means that. But I would also say this, if we have choice to surround ourselves with those who use perverse lips and use a froward mouth, we need to put, away from, put those away from us. Because... God knows that what comes into our ears is going to impact and affect my heart and yours. And so we need to make, make sure that the language that we're surrounding ourselves with is something that would uh, be pleasing to the Lord. Um, I just went uh, to my grandfather's house uh, who passed away there in the uh, San Diego area and um, after the funeral, we went through some of his clothes, and some of the clothes fit me, so 
I took some of his sweaters home, and uh, they put a bunch of mothballs in the sweaters, in the sweater drawers, to keep the sweaters from getting uh, moth-eaten. And we brought those home, and I put my AT&T shirt on top of the sweaters, and I was in a hurry one morning, uh, recently, I think it was Friday morning, and I just threw my polo shirt on and, and uh, ran, ran to work, and I was there, I was going, something smells like mothballs, what is that? It's me. <laughs> I smell like mothballs because my shirt was hanging out with my sweaters. And you know what a great illustration that is for us because when we start hanging out with those who were using a froward mouth, perverse lips, pretty soon we're going to start smelling, we're going to start sounding like those who were around. And I know that you might be thinking, it won't happen to me. It's happened to a lot better people than all of us in this room. And we've got to take heed lest we fall. Being around those who who use negativity in their language. They may not use profane language, but the general tone of their communication is negative and complaining. Uh, That again will wear off on you. And it will start to impact your heart. Uh, We need to be very careful. Of course, gossip would fall into this as well. The gate of the ears, we've got to guard that. We've got to put a guard there at that gate and make sure that we're not allowing anything in that will impact our hearts. Just some verses here that wanted to encourage us with regarding the ears. Ephesians chapter number 4. Verse number 30. I'm sorry, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And this certainly is something that we all need to work on individually, about not being guilty of using uh, these type of communication but also not surrounding ourselves with those who would use these type of communications as much as in our power is. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 8 says this, But now also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Let me read that one more verse one more time. But now also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. Put them out and get them out of there. And then James chapter 3, of course, we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Brother Roger did as he encouraged us, encouraged us with our speech in James chapter 3. And that's a fantastic uh, passage of Scripture to go through regarding our language. But also, I would say, in the area of music, we need to be careful with what comes into our ears. And I'm not going to go into all of uh, music and all of what it means, but I do know this, that what you listen to does affect our hearts, does affect your heart. Um, John Sebastian Bach said this, All music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music 
but only a devilish hubbub. That was what Bach said, and I believe he's accurate. Um, The music that we allow ourselves to listen to will impact our hearts. Ephesians 5 and verse number 19. Paul here reminded us the importance of this as well. When he said this, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Again, in your heart. You see how it all impacts our hearts? We've got to be careful about what comes in through the gate of our ears. So we've got to put a guard there. But not only in the gate of the ears, but also the gate of the eyes. The gate of the eyes. Verse number 25 of Proverbs chapter 4 says this, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. It's important for us to have a guard right at the eye gate. And we're not allowing anything into our hearts through our eye gates that shouldn't be there. Our eyes are fantastic. I'm thankful for two eyes, for four actually, and uh, eyes are wonderful. I would like to just share some facts about your eyes and my eyes tonight. Your eyes are the most complex organs you possess besides your brain. Your eyes are composed of more than two million working parts. Your eyes can process 36,000 bits of information every hour. Your eyes under the right condition can discern the light of a candle at a distance of 14 miles. Your eyes eyes contribute towards 85% of your knowledge. Your eyes utilize 65% of all the pathways to the brain. Your eyes can instantaneously set in motion hundreds of muscles and organs in your body. Your eyes in a normal lifespan will bring you almost 24 million images of the world around you. Your eyes are the, exter- are the external muscles that move the eyes are the strongest muscles in the human body for the job that they have to do. They are 100 times more powerful than they need to be. The adult eyeball measures about one inch in diameter. Of its total surface area, only one-sixth is exposed, the front portion. The eye is the only part of the human body that can function at 100% ability at any moment, day or night, without rest. Your eyelids need rest. The external muscles of your eyes need rest. The lubrication of your eyes requires replenishment, but your eyes themselves never need rest. But please rest them. (laughs) And then your eyes are your most precious sense. Care for them properly. But your eyes are also a direct gateway into your heart. Jeremiah, as he uh, was lamenting over the condition of uh, Jerusalem and Israel, he wrote in his book, Lamentations, this verse, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. And I know what that means. He was looking at a, the condition of his people and it, it, it moved him, it moved his heart. But we can take that with negative things that we see will influence our heart as well. And we need to remember that. There is a direct connection between your eyes and your heart. And no one is immune from this truth. 
John the Apostle said this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, since the beginning of time, we see that eyes have been a gate into the heart, and that one wrong look caused a wrong action and a whole lot of trouble. Let me give you some examples. If we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, at the very beginning of the Bible, we find a young lady by the name of Eve in the Garden of Eden. And here's what God recorded here. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And we've been learning in the book of Romans what that one verse ended up causing you and I to be guilty, to be considered sinners before God. So it cost the human race. Eve, with one look, saw with her eyes. Then we move a little forward in the book of Genesis and we come to a young man by the name of Lot. The Lot's eyes also got him, him into trouble. The Bible says this, And Lot lift up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now we all know how the story of how eventually uh, he moved his family to Sodom. And then he eventually joined the city council. And then because of the great wickedness of that city, God sent his judgment on this city. One look caused Lot to lose his spiritual compass. And as a result, he didn't even lead his own family to love God. And this one look cost him his marriage and he lost his wife. This was a dangerous look indeed. And he should have guarded his, the gates of his eyes. Because it did, in fact, affect his heart. And then we move forward in the Bible to the book of uh, Joshua when we find uh, the nation of Israel trying to go forward and claim the promised land, and they come to a pretty weak city, uh, the city of Ai. Pretty easy, considering what they just accomplished there in Jericho. This should have been a, a piece of cake, easy peasy. But because of one man's sin, the Lord stopped them from moving forward. His name was Achan. The Bible says this, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord, God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. And then he goes into his testimony. He says, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. We all know the story of what happened to Achan and his family because of that one sin. And it was, again, because he did not guard 
the gate of his eyes. And then we mentioned David this morning, a man after God's own heart, but one look cost him a lot when he looked at Bathsheba. The Bible says this, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. And that was sin number one. He wasn't at battle like most kings should have been. He was idle, and that is another message in it of itself. And it came to pass after the year expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Verse number 2 says, And it came to pass in an even tide that David arose off from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw with his eyes a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. That one look literally cost David many family heartaches. And the rest of his reign was riddled with drama and turmoil that didn't have to be there. All because of one wrong look. That could be why Job... The man describes as perfect and upright, and one that feareth God and escheweth evil said this in Job 31, verse 1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon, why then should I think upon a maid? Made a covenant with mine eyes. In other words, he put a guard there, and he said, I am going to make sure that what comes into my eye gates is going to be pleasing to God. And then Jesus took it a step further here in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Friends, we need to be reminded tonight that mine eye affecteth mine heart. And we've got to guard it. If we're going to have a protected heart, we've got to guard our eyes. We've got to guide our ears. And then, uh, so that means every Facebook post we see, every TV commercial we see, every billboard that we pass, everything that we see is an influence in our heart. We must guard our heart, and to do that, we must guard our eyes. And then thirdly here, the gate of experience. Back in Proverbs chapter 4, and verse number 26, here's what it says here. Uh, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Uh, When you are involved in something that you shouldn't be, it creates a memory. And that memory becomes ammunition in the devil's arsenal. So the gate of experience is very important to guard against. And I know what some people might be thinking, oh, I'm going to miss out on this or that. Let me remind you of what the Bible says here. He says, or the Bible says... um, or Paul reminded the Romans, I believe it was, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. God doesn't want us, God does want us to miss out on things that are wrong. 
Um, it's not going to bring any joy, any peace. It may bring a pleasure for a season, but that season is so temporary and the consequences last a whole lot longer than the pleasure ever did. I would have you wise into that which is good and simple concerning evil. You don't have to be, you don't have to know everything there is to know about all the things in this world. Be wise into that which is good. The gate of experience. And so if we're going to guard our heart, we need to understand this serious command here. Keep thy heart. Guard your heart. Protect thy heart. It's a serious command. But not only do we see a serious command here, we see secondly a steadfast commitment. A steadfast commitment where the Bible says in verse 23 here, keep thy heart with all diligence. With all diligence. This is a... Uh, steadfast commitment here. I am going to make this a big priority in my life and I'm going to be diligently doing this. I'm not going to be flipping about it. There's a place located in Louisville, Kentucky called Fort Knox. And this place is home to much of the nation's gold reserve. Allow me to share with you how this reserve is protected. Our nation's gold reserve is housed in a two-story building constructed of granite, steel, and concrete. It is 105 feet by 121 feet and is 42 feet above ground level. Within this building is a two-level steel and concrete vault that is divided into two compartments. The vault door weighs more than 20 tons. No one person is entrusted with the combination. Various members of the staff must dial separate combinations known only to them. The vault casing is constructed of steel plates, steel I-beams, and steel cylinders laced with hoop bands and encased in concrete. The outer wall of the depository is constructed of granite lined with concrete. Construction materials used on the building include 16,500 cubic feet of granite, 4,200 cubic yards of concrete and 750 tons of reinforcing steel and 670 tons of structural steel. At each corner of the structure on the outside, but connected with it, are four guard boxes, sentry boxes. Sentry boxes similar to the guard boxes at the corners of the depository are located at the entrance gate. A driveway encircles the building and a steel fence marks the boundaries of the site. The building is equipped with the latest and most modern protective devices. The nearby army post provides additional protection. The depository is equipped with its own emergency power plant, water system, and other facilities. And in the basement is a pistol range for use by the guards on their free time. Our gold reserve is protected with diligence, no doubt about it. But in this verse, we're told to guard our hearts with all diligence. So how secure is your heart? How protected is your heart? If America is that concerned with a metal that's one day going to burn up, how much more diligence should we put into guarding our hearts? Here's what we need to do. First, we need to make a daily decision to guard our heart. Here's how we do it with all diligence. Make a daily decision to guard our heart. Hey, even when you're on vacation, even when you have a day off, 
Guard your heart. Why? Because the devil never takes a day off. The devil never takes a vacation. He never takes a lunch break. He's waiting for you to do so and let your guard down. And that's why Solomon was telling his son, Son, don't ever let the guard down. Keep your heart with all diligence. Because the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking for the one who's not guarding their heart. He's looking for someone to give him an inch. And of course, when you give him an inch, he always takes a mile. So we've got to make a daily decision in our hearts to guard them. So tomorrow morning when you wake up, make a decision. Today I'm going to guard my heart. And then not only make a daily decision, but we need to remove all defilers from our life. We need to take inventory of the influences in our life. And those that would be defiling in nature, we need to remove them in our lives. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. We read it at the very beginning of the message. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee also youthful lusts. Run away from the things in our lives that would cause us, that would, that would defile our hearts. Romans 13, and verse 14 says this, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. If there are things in our lives that we know that are temptations to us, don't go near those temptations. There once was a, a guy who was a little bit overweight, and uh, he always stopped by the bakery on his way to work in the morning to pick up some goodies for the staff coffee break. Well, he decided to go on a diet. Enough is enough. It's time to trim up and start working on my health. So, in order to avoid the temptation to eat these rich sweets, he began taking a different route to work so he didn't have to go by the bakery and be tempted. Well, the entire office staff encouraged him as he dieted. They missed the goodies, but they were trying to encourage him in his health quest. And yet one, day, one day, however, he had... He had to do an errand in the neighborhood of that bakery on the way to work. As he approached the bakery, he said to himself, You know, maybe God wants me to stop by the bakery this morning and pick up some goodies for the, the office staff. So he prayed, Lord, if you want me to stop at the bakery this morning, make a parking spot available right in front of the bakery. So there's no question in my mind that you want me to stop here. And sure enough, there it was, a parking spot right in front of the bakery on his sixth trip around the block. <laughs> this was a man who failed to make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We've got to make sure and take seriously this matter of avoiding temptation. A steadfast commitment. With all diligence. True stories told about a retired couple who decided that they wanted to spend some time traveling and seeing the country while they were physically able. They cashed in, in all their retirement accounts and purchased one of the finest motorhomes available. One day while they were traveling up the coast of California, the husband, who had been doing all the driving up until this point, became extremely tired. So he asked his wife if she would drive while he took a little nap. 
Well, as she was driving, she put the motorhome in cruise control, and it worked perfectly. After driving about an hour down the straight highway, she got up to go to the bathroom. She thought, or at least that's what she told the California Highway Patrol, that cruise control was the same as automatic pilot. Their motorhome crashed and was completely demolished, but neither of them were seriously hurt. Can I encourage all of us tonight? Let's not become careless and put our Christian life on autopilot, because otherwise we're eventually going to go off the road. We're going to detrack and derail, and great is going to be the crash thereof. A steadfast commitment with all diligence. Keep thy heart with all diligence. And then finally tonight, I want us to look at a sobering consideration. We see a serious command, keep thy heart. We see the steadfast commitment with, with all diligence. And then tonight, the sobering consideration. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Why? For out of it are the issues of life. That, my friend, is a sobering consideration. When you realize the heart is the root of everything that comes out of our life, that is why it is so important. That is why we must guard our eyes, our ears, our experience. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, For a good tree bringeth forth, uh, bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Among the many wild plants that beautify the Texas landscape is the agave. One of the largest varieties of the agave, Americanus, more commonly called the century plant. So named because it only blooms once. And while it doesn't actually take 100 years, it usually takes 25 to 30 years. And when the plant reaches its full height and has completely developed, it sends a massive stalk high into the air, often reaching 40 feet before bursting out an array of yellow flowers. The key to the flowering of the century plant is what is out of sight underground in the roots. And the same thing is true in our lives. What is in our hearts will eventually show up on the outside. We may be able to conceal it for a time, but eventually our thoughts, our attitudes, our desires, and priorities will bear fruit in our lives. The key to bearing good fruit is not found in the fruit, but in the heart. Long before anything shows on the outside, the nature of the fruit is set by what is on the inside. That is why Solomon wrote, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The visible fruit of our lives, whether good or bad, is determined by the inward life that others cannot see. This is why guarding our hearts is so important. Because my every action, my every word, my every deed, my every motive... And my every thought comes from my heart. And that's why it's so important to guard it with all diligence. I want to encourage us all tonight to take heed lest you fall. 
Again, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to some very good people who I know love the Lord. But if we're not careful, we can become like Peter, as we mentioned uh, this morning, who said, ah, I'm, I'm ready to go with me to prison and to death. I, I'm never going to deny you, Lord. And we know that he did deny him three different times. Peter said twice that he would not deny Christ, and he thought he was above a message like this. Don't be like Peter. Let's take heed lest we fall. Most of us remember Steve Irwin. That name doesn't ring a bell. As I say the next few words, it will ring a bell. He was the crocodile hunter. You simply do not play with wild animals without sooner or later getting in trouble. Steve survived countless rattles, uh, rattlesnake bites. He was chased tree by a deadly Komodo dragon. He was spat on by a red spitting cobra. He was pulled into the water by a massive crocodile. On September 4th, 2006, as he was filming a documentary on the ocean's deadliest, the weather was bad, so they stopped filming for the day. Steve decided to do some work for a children's show that was to be hosted by his eight-year-old daughter, Bindi. Steve came across a five-foot-wide stingray and began to follow it. Stingrays are called the pussycats of the sea because of their docile nature. Steve got too close, and the stingray's poisonous barbed tail went into Irwin's chest and pierced his heart. He was only the 17th person in the world known to have been killed by a stingray. And sin is like that. If we play around with it, lose our fear of it, even little harmless sin, we are going to get hurt. Never lose your fear of sin, no matter how old you are, how experienced you are in turning from sin. Because dread, it's deadly sway. You play with fire, friend, you will get burned. And let's decide tonight to obey the serious command to guard our hearts with a steadfast commitment with all diligence because of the sobering consideration out of it are the issues of life. We want to go reach this community for Christ, but God's only going to use clean vessels. Let's decide to be clean by guarding our hearts. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you tonight for the challenge from your word to have a protected heart for you. Lord, you desire for us to have a heart that's pure, that's clean. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Lord, we want to see you work in our lives. We want to see you do things through us. We want to see you. But Lord, we know that's only going to happen if our hearts are guarded, protected. Lord, help us to take seriously this command. Help us, Lord, to have a steadfast commitment to diligently guard our hearts because of the sobering consideration, the sobering truth that our hearts are the root of our entire life. I pray that you would protect the young children in here, the young people in this room tonight. I pray that each one of them would make a decision, not just tonight, but throughout their lives, to diligently keep their hearts. I pray that uh, this message would uh, protect someone from falling into grave sin. I pray, Lord, that you would help me as well, as I know that the, I'm going to be tested on this. And I pray that you would help me to steadfastly 
diligently guard my heart. And I pray that you would just bless us as we go our way tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.